0: Doku Book Club, where we finally get around to getting the episodes back on that two-week schedule we originally yes. planned on. <laughs> I'm Leif Nelson,
1: and I'm Emily Miner.
0: And this episode, as we mentioned last time, is a little different. Um, we have had a bit of a rough schedule the past couple of episodes, and we were trying to, hoping to get it back on track. And part of that is a catch-up episode with this kind of a bit of a filler um
1: i don't want to call it let's call it bonus content yeah it's bonus content <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat>
0: bonus content making up for an episode we should have done anyway <laughs> um and then next week there will be another episode yeah. so we're getting three episodes in three weeks fingers crossed <laughs> hold us to it all right so that means that today we're kind of talking a little bit differently where we don't have a specific book or movie or anything that we've we're going to talk about it we're actually going to talk about things that we bought and then consumed when we were supposed to
1: the past few months yeah
0: this year yeah um and emily do you want to start
1: yeah i would love to so this year starting um i guess late winter I really got into like a gardening, food book, um, thing. <laughs> I don't know what do you to call it? Um, I don't know what. Like sometime th- over the winter, and I mean, I think I've known for at least a couple of years that I'm interested in gardening. But sometime over the winter, I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, and yeah. I'm gonna do it now. Um. So that's sort of the context for what I'm going to talk about is that I started gardening at our local community garden this spring. I, like, did everything from seed. So, like, I had broccoli seeds Mm. and pepper seeds germinating on our dining room table for, like, two (laughs) months Um, with these special lamps over them, and that was a good time. Um, But anyway, I just sort of in general got interested in um, local eating. So the first book, I I'm read two, or really I read one, and I'm in the middle of the second. So the one that I have finished, it's called Plenty. One man, one woman, and a raucous year of eating <laughs> locally. And this is by Alyssa Smith and J.B. McKinnon. So I found this book at our local um, used book used bookstore shout out to the dusty bookshelf Mm -hmm. and yeah I just just I've been interested in food writing for a long time but this was specifically about local eating and as I was gardening I was like "Hmm, I should pick this up and it was really interesting so basically the two authors are or at least were um, I don't know uh, a married couple and they're both writers and very interested in they're both sort of foodies right and anyway they they live in like the Seattle area I believe and they set this rule for themselves for one year they were only going to eat things that came from within a 100 mile radius of where they lived so you know this reading that was really interesting made me think about things that I had never really thought about before like I started to sort of make this list of if I were to start only eating Hmm. locally what are the things that I don't think about that I would probably have to forego and then you start thinking about things like salt (laughs) (laughs) like we live in Kansas you know they live in the Pacific so like or they live on the Pacific right so like sources of salt not that far away right and then because, um, you know, salt comes from the ocean. And I did all sorts of research. Like apparently there's a salt mine that I didn't know about, but I'm sure a lot of Kansans know about uh, near Hutchinson, Kansas. Mm-hmm. But it's not really for like commercial individual use. Yeah, exactly. Or consumption even. Um, So that wasn't really a thing. And then things like like spices Mm. like there's some things that just aren't grown here right Right. um but the whole point like the you know the crux of their argument was like you know if we think about eating ethically then how can we justify eating things that have been flown from so far away for like us to buy one product at a time Mm -hmm. Like think of the the fuel needed. Think of the carbon emissions. Like it's it's kind of wasteful, right? Yeah. Um, and you know that was at first something that was hard for me to. I mean, obviously, I well, mean, not maybe not obviously, but I'm all I'm all you know on board with that, and you know thinking deeply about that problem but at the at first i even more was like well but isn't it so great that like now there's sort of this global we we have access to lots of um cuisines mm-hmm. right and some of the ingredients you need from for those cuisines you can't we don't grow here um and so yeah just like thinking about Thinking about that and thinking about what do you have to give up to eat locally, right? Mm-hmm. But then I was talking with your mom about it. Um, and by the way, like just as a little another thing, like that means giving up coffee, <laughs> right? Like that means giving up chocolate and it means giving up a lot of things. Um, and I was sort of talking with your mom about it and she was like, okay, but if you're going to do this, the whole point of it is not just to be ethical about it, but also like, what about the things that you we do have here, but maybe you're not using hmm. because you have access to so many other things, right? Like think of how much more deeply you could get to know the local cuisine. And then like from there, it's also sort of like a community thing, right? Because right. you sort of have to get to know local growers local producers in order to have access to those things so yeah um I think the reason why I read it right away like literally within the week I bought Mm -hmm. it I had finished it and I was just really timely like I was sort of in this mindset already it kind of presented itself to me at this bookstore and it was perfect timing so that's probably why I finished it um I will say and I know last time we talked about the idea of skipping over things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I did do that a couple of times in this book. <laughs> so both this book and the other book that I'm currently in the middle of called Animal Vegetable Miracle by a Barbara Kingsolver. And both of these books at different levels switch back and forth between um, authors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Plenty does this more so they switch back every other chapter this couple. And I kind of found the guy uh jb mckinnon sorry to just like put him on blast but um <laughs> i don't know i think that he could be a lot more sort of holier than thou about the whole thing like if you slip up at all <laughs> you're not you're not you're you're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And it's sort of judgmental, like on his partner. And I didn't love that. And also sometimes he got more caught up than I cared for in I don't know. I liked the balance of he was more political and she was doing a little bit more of like the personal.
2: Yeah.
1: Um And sometimes just from his perspective, I didn't always love, I I was kind of bored by what he was talking about, which is unfortunate, because I'm super interested in the political side of this. But so I did skip some (laughs) of his stuff. But overall, really good book. Glad I read it. And I'm in the middle of the second one. So hopefully that continues.
0: (laughs) The main thing I remember you learning because of this and Learning about local stuff is that we can get local shrimp in Kansas.
1: Yes, there is a local shrimp farm. Um, and uh, who was I recently talking to? Who? Oh, that's right. Okay, so was it was it that restaurant that we went to in Wichita? Yep. Yes. So there there's a restaurant in Wichita. We went to it recently, um, and it was we didn't even realize when we went in but it was like it's like a local food focused Mm -hmm. restaurant very farm to table or however (laughs) you want to talk about it i think that that's great but probably i don't know i'm obsessed and also critical of (laughs) pretentious food stuff um but they the waiter we really wanted us to know that the shrimp that was on the menu that night was from the Kansas Shrimp Farm. Yeah. It's the only one. And I think that's so cool. And man, if I were rich, that's <laughs> where we would be getting our shrimp from, but it's like 20 bucks a pound. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when
2: mm-hmm.
1: when it's local and it's a pretty, you know, and when you think of, about other productions, you know, it's a pretty small production and So you know, it's I. I'm not mad at it. (laughs) I think it's good. We should be you know valuing labor. It's just not feasible for us. Which, again, is why. One other thing, one problem, one argument that I think both of these books get into, or maybe aren't really seeing beyond their blinders on, is. They both kind of put it on the consumer. Like, Like, why aren't you eating more locally? Why have we as a society gotten away from this? And I'm like, okay, I think that it's great. You should be taking up a personal stake in this. But that's also a really privileged place to be in. Because it's more costly a lot of the time to buy local. Not all the time. You know, a farmer's market can be cheapish depending Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but like it's still a pretty privileged place to be speaking from i mean there Um, are people who
0: live in food deserts and when they live in a food desert it's not that there's no local food it's that there's no local like food markets right
1: exactly like right um so yeah it's it's a pretty privileged place to speak from and then you also can get into arguments about like okay this is, you know, this is the same sort of BS argument about, like, plastic straws, yeah. right? And I mean, great. I I also try hard to not use single-use plastic. I definitely don't try hard enough. Yeah. But, like, I think it's an important issue. At the same time, every single person giving up straws is not going to stop global warming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we have corporations and big oil or whatever you want to call it that like for us to really make a big difference it's not on the individual that's going to save everything yes we need to be involved but sorry like corporations sort of made this system in the first place right Mm -hmm. so anyway that's my little anti-capitalism rant (laughs) um and now I'm done did you have any other questions
0: <laughs> no <laughs> okay
1: mm, cool mm. so yeah i'm i need to stop so why don't you tell me about one thing that you've been doing
0: so yeah a lot of the i have two books i want to talk about I'll only talk one real quickly is we went to the dusty bookshelf which just reopened because they had had a fire. A year and a half ago? Yeah. I think. Well, no. Maybe just a year ago. No, I think two it was a
1: couple ago. of years ago, minimum.
0: Man, okay. Yeah. yeah. it was a little while back. They lost a lot of inf- inventory, a lot of their rare books, yeah. which is sad, but we're glad they're opening. Um,
1: Almost cried when I walked into yeah. the place when it reopened.
0: <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I grabbed a couple books, and I've read two out of the three already, and one of them that I grabbed is a comic book called Camelot 3000 and it has a very interesting, like, simple cover. I'm sure it used to have, like, a... Um, uh, a dust jacket. Yeah, a dust jacket of some sort that was more specific. But it's, like, really cool, simple. It's, like, a gold... Is this embossed? Is that the word for mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yes, gold-colored embossed on, like, a simple... I don't know. I'm bad brown with, co- I'm bad with colors, so... <laughs> brown uh, cover. Looks very cool. It is... It is what it says on the tin. It's King Arthur and the Round Table in the year three thousand, as they are all woken up as Britain is under siege from aliens.
1: <laughs> I forgot about this. Yes,
0: it is bad. Um, it takes place in the year three thousand, but it looks like it looks like two thousand five, basically, other than like the fact that there's like flying cars and things. Is Beyond... this
1: written in the eighties?
0: Yeah, late eighties, early nineties. I can't remember. Um, it's one of those early, um, came out like shortly after, uh, Watchmen where it was another, like, it was like, it was, it is DC. So it's a DC again, trying to get like a, Ooh, this is going to be the next big mini series or whatever. So it's only 12 issues and it was meant to be read in its single collection and it's terrible. <laughs> um, mostly because for a number of reasons, one It is supposed to be a thousand years in the future, but the three main superpowers, or four main superpowers, are still the United States, Russia, China, and then just Africa. It doesn't, like, say where it is. It's just Africa. And everything is the exact same. All the jokes are the same. It even does the same, like, Ronald Reagan is president joke that um, The Dark Knight does. What is it? The Dark Knight Rises? No, what is the Dark Knight Returns? That's what I'm thinking of. Um, but it does it poorly, and also it's a thousand years in the future, so why does that matter? <laughs> um and then also the most interesting thing that kept me reading, one because comic books are not the hardest to read through, like you can I got through this in like a day. Um, is it had it has a trans character. Specifically, all of the knights of the round table are reincarnated. Um, But they are in their, like, they don't know who they are. And then they're, like, woken up by Merlin. And Sir Tristan uh, was a woman, like, in the story, had her own mind, was a woman. And then she's woken up and, oh, it's Sir Tristan. It's he. And it spends so long, like, all the characters just, like, man, I don't know what to... Is is, Is Sir Tristan a he or a her or, like all this stuff and like there's even this like conflict where sir tristan is like tempted by morgan le fay to become a man again it's like it's three it's a thousand years in the future like i'm not even talking about like socially like what we would be treating trans people like but like technology it was far enough in the 80s that people were transitioning oh you would be able to in the year 3000 it was just very weird It was very strange where sometimes it would be well done, like, Sir Tristan would defend himself and, like, give a good argument. And then the next time, like, a character, like, people just don't understand and, like, it just is constantly going on and it's just very weird to read.
1: So, sorry, just to clarify, this is a character that has transitioned from female to male or the other way around?
0: Neither. Um, They haven't transitioned it was a female In who had her, had her own wife whatever and then their past life was awoken and it's Sir Tristan so it is like oh so, i see okay so mm. if you were to like put a label on it it would be ftm female to male yes okay um but they don't ever actually transition <gasps> sure so. yeah
1: okay mm.
0: like they're they are just so that was one of the interesting things where like he very much is identifies as male but doesn't feel like after being tempted and then like pushing past that stays in a female body but still identifies as male so that was interesting Hmm. but everything else around it was trash so (laughs) (laughs) yeah well so yeah
1: good stuff yeah i think i asked all my questions by interrupting you
0: so no that's great
1: (laughs) um So I can sort of talk about these quickly together. So I'm going to talk about Stardew Valley Mm -hmm. and Crash Bandicoot. (laughs) So Stardew Valley was a game that you got me for my birthday or Christmas. They're so close together. I never remember. Anyway, in December, you got me Stardew Valley.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, For those of you don't know this is a farming game so I'm really <laughs> sticking with theme here um absolutely obsessed I played so many hours of this game within the first like month probably mm-hmm.
0: it interrupted your uh, Zelda gaming
1: yes it did you're right um so this game is so great <laughs> I mean you're basically a farmer and I never know how to describe this art style like what what how do you describe this this anim or not even animation but you know what i'm talking about the how do you describe this video game style
0: the video game style or the visual style visual like pixel art like i don't know similar to like pokemon honestly in a way. yeah
1: okay yeah like... yeah yeah Yeah. that's yeah that's exactly it so it looks a lot like um pokemon games that you would play on a handheld or whatever so stardew valley is for the switch you're farming, you're mining, you're fishing, you're gathering. You're
0: romancing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, my name in the game is Emily because my name is Emily. And I didn't realize this, but there is a character in game like an NPC. Her name is Emily. <laughs> and like 90% of the townspeople in this town that you're farming in are wooable. <laughs> <laughs> including Emily. So naturally, Emily married Emily, (laughs) because I wasn't going to turn down that opportunity. Um, And she has blue hair, (laughs) and waters my crops for me sometimes in the morning. (laughs) And I have a dog, and I grow mushrooms. And anyway, I'm not going to continue listing, but it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And the kind of game that's like, just tedious enough, (laughs) like just it it keeps me going because I always have something new, other than lately because, like, I kind of have everything. Yeah. Like, the only really thing keeping me going at this point is I would like to get to level 100 in the second cave, which is proving mm. almost impossible. And second of all, I would like to make my farm more aesthetically pleasing, <laughs> and that's about it. So, but anyway, I've been playing that off and on all year. <laughs> didn't, didn't put that off at all. Okay, so the second video game that I've been playing is the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. <laughs> and this game is not new to me. I played it when it first came out on the PlayStation. Um, I actually played all three when I was a kid. I was absolutely obsessed with this game. So when it came out on the Switch, I was like, I have to have this. And I still (laughs) had money at the time. (laughs) So I got it. And it is so good, but also (laughs) like so hard. And I've read some reviews of it because I have had some problems with it. Um, And most people sort of agree with my feelings on it that, like, love it for people who have this game as like a nostalgic mm-hmm. game for them this is great right um and it's a you know for video games it's a bar like it's a steal because it's three games that were already right. mastered in one with a couple bonus up ep- or bonus levels but there are some issues with the construction of the game that like you can't really work around in a remastered version and so they're still there like the perspective all like the camera perspective Mm -hmm. all the time is just messing me up like i never know how far to jump sometimes um and sometimes uh the game plays a little bit more like a platformer Sometimes you're running towards the screen because it's like an Indiana Jones style. There's a boulder coming after you. Um, Those would be great if my controller worked properly (laughs) because it's kind of fun. You don't really know what's coming ahead, you know? Um, And then sometimes it plays like you're running away from the screen. And man, that's when it's really tricky. And there wasn't much they could do about it when they remastered it, you know, because they're really just making the animation kind of nicer, and I really don't know what else. Um, so, it's so much fun. <laughs> like, very frustrating. I remember, je- like, it was hard game when I was first playing it, and... Took some getting used to to come back to it. Right. But I'm really glad I got it. And I've been playing it fairly consistently this year. So that's kind of my stuff. Do you have any anything to ask about? No,
0: like it's been interesting things? watching you play this because you are frustrated a lot of the time. I know, it's
1: hilarious.
0: And you'll pull me into play. And I don't think that I'm necessarily even like better at something. Like You have way more practice at this than I do. Um, It's just that I'm not frustrated yet when I start doing it. And it is not very long before I'm frustrated too.
1: No, because it is. But I know that it's amusing to watch me play it because I (laughs) I get real cranky.
0: But then I'll get invested. Like I've scared you once when I like practically shrieked when you like were inches away from something yes oh my gosh i was
1: so close to like getting all of the boxes on something and then i fell and we both like yelled or screamed (laughs) really really sorry to our basement neighbors
0: (laughs) but yeah Um, yeah it's been great
1: it it has been it really has been worth the frustration i would say (laughs) so go ahead
0: yeah, the, uh, the other book um, that I got from the Dusty Bookshelf was The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin, um, which I have only ever really read the Earthsea books. And many, many years ago, I re- reread um, A Wizard of Earthsea like a year or two ago. I love it. I love Ursula K. Le Guin. I think she probably is. I think she is my favorite writer of fantasy and science fiction, but not because I necessarily, like, love the stories so much, but because she just, like, writes beautifully.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, um so Left Hand of Darkness is not fantasy. It's sci-fi. It is about an ambassador from this, like, galactic federation. I can't remember what they call it. Um But, and they're not, like... A Star Trek federation where they're all united in one, like, quote unquote, country, but actually, like, just a bunch of planets with their own countries that have all agreed to be part of this federation. I should have looked up what they actually called it because it's not federation, it was something interesting, like the Ecumen or something. I don't remember. It's all good. Um, and yeah, this ambassador has come to a new planet and is meeting with. Or not a new planet, but a planet that has not reached, like, star travel yet. And is trying to welcome them in. And, like, in return, like, they'll start trading with them. And everyone in this universe is a human. There are no aliens as such. Every planet and every... Well, yeah, every planet seems to have come from old, old, old Earth that sent colonists out... And then something happened where we lost track of everybody and we've slowly been meeting up with each other again. Mm. And so each planet kind of has, they're all all humans, but they're all just like different in some way. And some it's just like acclimating to the planet they're on and some, it, it doesn't go too deep into like the lore of like why they are the way they are. They just sort of like say, we don't know why, maybe it's something that the colonists did for... Who knows what reason.
1: Well, and how long have these different humans been separated? I mean, we're talking thousands of years. I,
0: it, it seems like it, it. It never gives a year like in AD or what, what's the common era or anything like that. Sure. Like it just, it, it doesn't give you a time frame. The, but pl- you... the planet they're on seems to be somewhere between like the 1940s and like current day because they have like radio and all these other technologies but um you're gonna ask something
1: oh i this is probably goes without saying but i was just thinking about like the differences in a lot of ways can probably be chalked up to like evolutionary right things right like when yeah. they've been separated for so long like
0: in the book i think they hint that it was possibly even like experiments being done by oh, like whatever government gotcha, was on okay. earth because they don't know okay. like it's all guessing and any signs of former star travel travel are gone like they they just it doesn't exist um but the main thing with this planet which is called winter because it is much much colder than earth is um is that there is no gender on -hmm. the planet um and in a way there's no sex either um like physical sex because everyone has both male and female sex organs and then once a month goes through a thing called kemmer where basically they go into heat like they have no sexual desires outside of that and suddenly they do and they will hook up with someone and that's usually where that's where children come from so there's no gender there's no marriage as such there are people who like decide to only go into kemmer with one another but that's not like the most common thing
1: can i ask a question
0: yeah
1: i'm curious so like is camera only for reproductive purposes is there any such thing as like sexual activity just for the pleasure of it
0: yeah because it's not there's no guarantee that they're going to have a kid oh, and okay. there's no i can't remember i can't remember if like birth control ever came up i can't remember if that came up in the book or not um that wasn't really the focus of it um
1: it's not super common To talk about that.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like, I think Le Guin would write about it. Sure, sure, sure. That's true. But I don't... I I just don't remember if they brought it up. They do... um, On winter, there are perverts, but they're not, like... necessarily how we would think of it. Perverts on uh, winter are people who are in Kemmer all the time. Oh. Like, it is... It's, like, a genetic thing. So, like, like, literally
1: a perversion. Yeah. Okay. And...
0: Yeah, it's just very interesting. And and I've talked so much about this because the world and everything that goes into it is really interesting. There were, um, in between the story there would be, um, she would give like short little like mythologies or like stories from the history of this world. Just super, super interesting, super like, I don't know, like she she has this specific mood throughout the main story and then when she turns to like a myth, like you can just feel it change. Like, it just has a different tone throughout it. And I think she's just, like, amazing in every way. And overall, the story was kind of boring. Like, oh, really? It, like, it was kind of disappointing to me in the end. And I won't spoil it. Like, I don't know if there's much to spoil, but, like, there's, like, a love story kind of going on. There's, like, um, this socio-political intrigue going on as two different countries are about to go to war. It, it, it's all very interesting, and in the end, to me, didn't feel like it was satisfying. Mm. Um, because she, the thing she decided to focus on was the relationship, and even that, even when she was focusing on it, didn't feel like it was enough for me. So I think, again, I think she writes beautifully, and that's why I stuck with it. But it just sort of like, at a certain point, it just felt like I was reading it because I had gotten this far and... It's good writing, so I'll stick Mm -hmm. with it.
1: So do you think that you read it right away because you already know that you like her as an author? or
0: I read it right away for a couple of reasons. Yeah, because I like her as an author. But the other reason is... Well, the reason that we kind of been late with episodes is because my grandfather fell a few months back. And I basically just became his caretaker for like a month. Mm -hmm. um, Off and on with other family members. But... Um, he had a fall, he cracked his kneecap, and I just was up there to help him get around. And that just gave me a lot of free time. time, And so I spent a lot of that time reading books and, um, writing notes for (laughs) (laughs) D&D. Because I am currently running, a few less now, but uh, I was at one time running four different games, all different campaigns. So... Takes a lot of prep work for that sort of stuff, and it, and I had the time, so that's why I kind of like got into that. I, I also read, um, man, I I didn't even want to talk about this originally, but I also was reading a lot of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, <laughs> which is just a weird, weird, weird manga. I'm not going to go into it because I probably will when I finally finish it. Um, but yeah, it was that's what I've been that, that's what I had been spending my time at.
1: It's amazing what boredom can make us do. Mm-hmm. So.
0: It was also amazing how much I didn't spend reading while I was still bored. Like if I got tired reading that book or something else, a book I had already read before, I would just sort of like write notes to myself and not quickly. It's not like I'm journaling. It's just like write a bit and then just stare off and just
1: hang around. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. It was very different. Uh, My grandparents are not the most um, Well, especially when you're injured not the most mobile and like active. So it was interesting just spending Literal hours doing nothing and not having great internet access Mm -hmm. either
1: (laughs) and they're not particularly I don't know. I mean, I think that your grandpa has this like fam like Like Mm. in your family. He's like the talker but not like all the time. Oh, like no. your grandparents really are not super talkative people Mm-mm. when it's just them at home. I, I would say. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's like a lot of quiet time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. My grandpa was reading literal. My grandpa will read the encyclopedia for fun. Like. Just go right through it.
1: That is something I cannot <laughs> relate to. But hey, everybody <laughs> has their things. Yeah. So.
0: Did you have another thing to talk No, about?
1: sorry. I sort of talked about both video games at okay, once. Okay, so. I'll
0: talk about two things at once because oh, okay. I am ending on, I decided to start with the worst and end with the best because <laughs> the last thing that I just bought and like zoomed through was a video game called The Outer Wilds. Um, I had first seen like a review for it on Reddit somewhere and the, when the first thing tells you that, when the title tells you that it's like the best game of the year and then the second line tells you that... There are spoilers literally for the entire game. Like, I couldn't read it, but I was intrigued. And then um, a streamer I watched, Day9, played through, started playing it. He played for like four-ish hours. And after he was done with the first hour, I bought the game. Because it looked amazing, and it just everything about it was great. So for those of you that don't know, The Outer Wilds is a... It's a it's a sandbox like exploration game where you're a alien who um, it's called a Harthian because your planet is called Timber Hearth. It's basically an Earth like planet, and you go exploring your little solar system. So you have a sun, you have a couple uh, planets that you can travel to, and there's also like a comet and some other things you can discover. And I will also try not to spoil anything <laughs> because. I don't know how to explain a a game like this where There is very little actual mystery going on like when I finally finished the game which When I finished it, I've kind of realized I could probably count the number of games I've completed like on both hands like I just am NOT that kind of person I once I get like the gist of a game I will keep playing it and then usually just quit um which is really terrible for story based games. <laughs> but I. The point of the game is not necessarily solving the mystery, which there is one, and it was great when I did solve it. It's about uncovering the mystery because there are so many layers and so many things where you're not really given a direction to go. You just have a spaceship and you can fly to different planets. And they're all like miniature, cute sized planet so it doesn't take long to get everywhere on the surface of one Um, but every single one of them has their own little quirks and things that if you just were to go there you'll find a few things and it's interesting but then you go to another planet and you find some notes from an ancient alien race that was here here millions of years ago and they have notes about that planet you were just on you're like I don't know what they're talking about and I go there and then you find something and then you (laughs) like die or whatever (laughs) and have to like do it all over again but you came at a different time and so there's something else going on at that time like it's all just my mind was blown literally every time I played it and I was constantly like calling you in Mm -hmm. to like tell you about stuff and I don't know like it was it was just really amazing. The worst parts of the game were any time I had to look something up because I felt like, um, because it felt so effortless when I discovered something, when I had to put effort in and I would like try three, four, five times to do something, I would just get so frustrated. Yeah. Um, and when I finally looked it up, it was either a combination of like something like, oh, well, that was just information I was gonna find elsewhere But it didn't, like, give me any hints to go that way. Or there's literally a five-second window throughout the entire game that you can do this one thing, and Ah. if you mess it up, you just have to try again, and it's just frustrating. So when that – the few like, I think that happened, like, three times in the game, but that literally would, like, almost depress me and make me, like, quit the game for, like, the rest of the day just because it's, like – it felt like I had been on such a high of, like – I'm figuring this thing out. I'm figuring it all out, and then suddenly just being hit with like a complete wall and being forced to look something up, which I normally don't feel like. Spoilers for game or for movies and TV shows. I usually like. I'm not. It's not a huge deal to me necessarily. Even if I was looking forward to something. Like if I like I had um, The Force Awakens spoiled for me. All the character deaths that happened in that. Same thing with Infinity War. But when that happened, it's just sort of like, oh, okay. Like I kind of figured something along those lines might happen. And mm-hmm. now I just sort of know. And, but with video games, it always is a little more different for me. And if it's something like a puzzle game and I'm struggling with it and I look it up, I don't mind as much. But for this, because like it's just so well crafted in letting you find stuff that when that happened it just felt like such a letdown but overall an amazing game practically perfect in yeah. every way <laughs> the music also is great too yeah
1: i was gonna say i've played a little of it and the animation and the music are both beautiful
0: like i sometimes like, you have a time limit for everything you're doing, but sometimes, like, if you just have to wait around, like, the music just is, like, it's honestly, like, very soothing.
1: So, yeah, very, very. It was great. Cool.
0: Any questions about it? or?
1: Um, No, not really. I yeah. kind of feel bad because this is something we've been... We always say, like, oh, save it for the pod, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, save this material so that it's fresh and new for mm-hmm. us. But we've talked about this game quite a bit, so... I really don't have any questions. The only thing I would add and not to like be a downer on the game, <laughs> but like I tried playing it and this is just a personal thing, right? Like uh-huh. obviously you found and a lot of people enjoy this game. You know, don't mind this. But for me, if I can't get the controls down, yeah. that is a huge turn off right away. Oh yeah. Um and just like the controls for like flying your ship and things Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I think part of it was like, it was a little, a little clunky, Mm -hmm. but the other part is that just like I had a hard time acclimating to it. And so that turned me off pretty quickly, which is too bad because I know the story of it and sort (laughs) of how the game works and it, feels like a game that i would love to play if i weren't so frustrated and wanted to turn the game off because like i can't land the damn ship (laughs) you know what i mean um but don't let that turn you off from it yeah the
0: only other i guess complaint i would have about the game is that i don't i'd have like i feel like you'd have to wait but i don't really know if there's a way to replay it and kind of recapture that because so because it's all about the discovery Mm mm-hmm that and first not knowing, experience. yeah, seeing something that like you're supposed to reach, but you don't know the mechanics of getting there. It's not like um, Dark Souls or some sort of platform where you know, like, oh, I have to go get that key to get to the place. You can, like, if I were to start a brand new game of Outer Wilds, I could beat it on the first time through because it's all set up that way that you can do it. But there, but you don't know the information behind it yet, right. so.
1: So, tell me a little bit about why you will either get to things right away or put them off.
0: I don't know (laughs) (laughs) because I was even thinking about that when we were like talking about why did we get to this instead of other things. And when I was talking about Camelot 3000, I was about to say, oh, because it's a comic book and it's real quick to get through, but I can look on our shelf and see, I see like five or six that I could read in less than an hour Like,
1: (laughs) see, this is why I was saying I don't really have anything to answer. I don't have anything to say for that question because it's the same thing for me. Like, sometimes it just feels random.
0: Yeah. Like, is it because I'll get like library books too. And I mean, sometimes I don't get to library, library books either, but usually I'm pretty good about reading through those. Is it, I wonder if a lot of it is... I want to say something more than just being like in the mood for it but like when you get a new book and you're excited about it or a new game and you want to play it like that's obviously more of an incentive so what kind of mood are we in when we get these other books then
1: well and that's the thing like you know i sort of gave i don't know because i gave the reason that well, I read these books on local eating because yeah. it was timely. Well, I get a lot of other things that are timely yeah. or like make sense with what I'm interested in. And that's why I buy them. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, your mom bought me this Schultz biography mm-hmm. in at Christmas. And I feel so bad. So sorry, Liz, if you're listening to this, because you've asked <laughs> me several times if I have finally started it. And I haven't. And like i love peanuts like i have so many peanuts things (laughs) and this isn't an invitation to get me peanuts things like (laughs) i just have a lot of peanuts related stuff and still this charles schultz biography is just sitting on my shelf like who knows yeah you know i really i think i think it's Beyond, under, it's beyond understanding. Sometimes, <laughs> Some things men were
0: not meant to know.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my goodness,
1: I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, so, uh, remind us, what are you talking about next time?
0: Next week, and actually, next week—not just like me mistakenly saying mm-hmm. that—it's actually going to be next week. I will be talking about two things. I will be talking about um, Ready Player One, the book. And um, 372 Pages Will Never Get Back, which is a podcast about the book.
1: About reading, the about process the reading of book. reading the book. Yes. yes.
0: Um, it's a book club podcast that I'll be reading through so or listening to. <laughs> um, so yeah, that'll be interesting to talk about because you know I'm used to talking about bad books before. So this is the first time I'll be talking about a podcast about a bad book so (laughs) it's
1: gonna be so great so meta Mm -hmm. all right so until then uh we would like to give a big thank you as always to velt punch for their song fighting pose from the album his strange fighting pose as always we are so so grateful and we will talk to you next time bye-bye
0: bye